Hello, friends, and welcome back to the To the Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Olivia Colombo, and I am the young Catholic changemaker, a journalist, and a soon-to-be social worker, and I'm sharing stories of people who are reaching to the heights in terms of social justice and making sustainable change in the world. This season, which we're calling Hope in Humanity, we're focusing on people and organizations, secular or religious, who are social justice-oriented and who have creative solutions to the many problems that our world is facing. Today, I'm sharing a conversation, uninterrupted, with Sean Forrest, the founder and director of Haiti 180. I met Sean when I went to Haiti, and he is a good friend of both my home parish and the parish where I was at Life Teen. I've been to Haiti a few times now, and it has an incredibly special place in my heart. I talked about that a lot earlier this season with Carly Anderson, but I talk about it pretty much every episode. (laughs) And if you're looking for another episode to listen to after this, I highly recommend that episode with Carly, episode 28, as the content closely mirrors this one. Anyway, Sean is a truly humble and authentic Catholic who I admire so very much, and I see a lot of myself in. You'll get to hear more about that in this episode, too. This one is truly a good one. Here's Sean's story of reaching to the heights. All right, so to get started, would you like to introduce yourself um, and what are some of the many hats that you wear? Um, I'm Sean Forrest. I live in Nashville, Tennessee and uh, different hats that I wear. Goodness, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a missionary in the country of Haiti, I'm a Catholic speaker, evangelist, Um, uh, I was a youth minister, retreat leader. Um, Yeah, so jack of all trades, master of nothing. I love that. Musician too. I don't know if that was in there. Yes, that's right, I forgot. (laughs) You know more about me than I know about me. Yeah, musician. Yeah, that's oh my goodness. I've been playing music since professionally since I was 18 years old. So, and I'm 23 now. So, <laughs> it's funny. I was I was setting up for the podcast, and um, the I, I was just shuffling Spotify, and one of your songs came on like minutes before I had to turn off the music for the podcast, and I was like, ah, that's a little see? little divine providence there. Yeah, I know at least one person that's listening to my stuff, so that's great. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I know there's a lot more, but (laughs) all right. So what I want to talk about today is a little bit of the story of Haiti 180, um, how it started, what it's up to now, how COVID has affected it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I collected some questions from the resurrection community in Hingham. a terrible place. <laughs> terrible, people. terrible place. <laughs> they've, been so, they've been so amazing to us. Great supporters. God bless them. So they actually gave you questions for me? Yes. Yep. All right. I have a oh, few. Boy. Yeah, there's there's some juicy ones. Um, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do so it. why don't... <laughs> now I'm awake. All right. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we start with how Haiti 180 started? <laughs> no no small questions. No small questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In, in 10 words or less. <laughs> um, so it began by me going, well, uh, 18 years ago on a mission trip to Haiti. And I saw really, uh, I saw an orphanage there that had like 300 kids and very few caretakers. And um, I, I, it's such a long story that I don't want to like go into, it's, it's such a long story, but 
I just saw, and, and, and there was a need there for that. I mean, those kids all would have starved to death and die. And I just wanted to do something different, not better, just different. I, our, our goal is to create future leaders of faith for the country of Haiti when it comes to the orphans and, well, everybody there, actually. And um, so I wanted to build a smaller orphanage that would be more like a home. Um, so I just said to God, you know, if you'll let me, I'll build a uh, you know, I'll build a place where we can have, you know, like 40 kids come together with a bunch of caretakers. And we call Kai Marie, which means Mary's house. That's the name of our orphanage. We call it a home for former orphans. Um, and they're true orphans. You know, they're, um, they're kids who truly don't have a mom or dad or the, it's such an abusive situation where they are that they have to stay with us. Um, so, um, yeah, our kids, when they graduate, they'll speak three languages, and, uh, you know, French, Creole, English, you know, they'll be catechized, you know, the faith, because we want them to be witnesses. Uh, most of them want to come back and work for our community. So it started with me going and just seeing the need of like going, all right, man, how, how, there's, there are brilliant people here. For these kids are brilliant. How do we foster that? Um, how do we get Haiti to get the best out of the Haitians? Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of where that all came from. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a great, beautiful story yes. behind it, but I just don't want to uh, mm -hmm. take up all your time here. You know, just uh, and yeah. I'm sure uh, people can find the story. You have YouTube videos, right? With most of it talks. Yeah, and it's on my website. I mean, yeah. I mean, I now I feel weird that I said that. I'm not, I mean, basically, a, a child came up to me in this orphanage, and I was told not to touch any of the kids. I went there with my guitars, all excited to hang out with the kids and play guitar for them. And they all looked so lifeless because they'd never been held when they were little. Um, and so they just never thrived. And this little kid came up, stood in front of me and I went to pick him up and the director said, don't touch that kid. He's covered with scabies and you'll get them. And that's a mite that burrows underneath your skin. And it, it's, you'll, you can actually see they scratch, they scratch the skin off their arms to try to get rid of them. And he had on his back and he goes if you pick them up you'll get sick we get sick and then we can't hold the kids so I started to walk away and it was like God really hit me with this thought in my heart and just said so I'll die on a cross for you and wear your sins but you won't pick me up because you're afraid of getting a, a rash and it was like at that moment where God said do you really want to be a missionary are you going to enter into this because it means you're going to get sick sometimes it means he's you know serving God is dangerous yeah. Or do you want to just be one of those comfortable guys who pretend they're being a missionary? So that was the moment I said, you know, I, I just knelt down and I picked this kid up and I hugged him mm -hmm. and all the kids ran over. And I was like, I'm going to get some kind of disease because they're all covered with something. I'm like, this is beautiful, <laughs> but I'm going to die probably around eight o'clock. And uh, I didn't die. I didn't get any diseases. Um, and um, it was just that moment where I said, all right, I have to be all in. You can't just pretend to be a missionary doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm a sinner. I go to confession frequently. But as far as entering in to be a missionary, I didn't want to be a pretend. Look at the yeah. nice things I'm doing for these people, but I've never been over and met them. I don't speak the language, you know. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's a deeper part of it. It's like mm -hmm. faith, it's yeah. faith gets messy. It does. Yeah. And it's dangerous. And I like that you use the word dangerous. Um, yeah. In the last episode of the podcast, we talked to, um, there's a BC student who is homeless and he was able, he got accepted as a transfer student to BC and he walked from his home in Virginia to BC um, 
because he couldn't get a plane ticket or anything and he raised money for um a nonprofit that helps people who are homeless um and he he talked a lot about danger and how people don't i don't know you can't be a pretend missionary you can't be a pretend activist like right. yeah you have to accept yeah. the danger right i mean you can pretend but god knows and the people yes. you're caring for now mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think that's one of the really important and special things about Haiti 180. I remember being really passionate and almost angry when I came back and people like other more liberal, like non-Catholic um, activism organizations that I was a part of, like were very much against like the white savior, like, oh my goodness, you went to Haiti to go take pictures with like black children, which it could become that, but like Haiti 180 is so not that, like it's about empowering. It's not about us. Like, no, I mean, it's God's mission, first of all. And regardless of the color of your skin, it's like, well, a lot, of, a lot of these people would be dead, but by the grace of God, he inspired people to help set this all up. Mm -hmm. so it's like, yeah. you know, there, there's one savior and he's not white, he's Jesus. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, get, that gets frustrating. But the thing about us is we do, we empower our workers. We have almost 100 Haitian employees now, you know, but we want it Haitian run, but we're there to help set it and keep it running and, and, and supporting. But uh, in Haiti right now, we don't have one white missionary. It's all run by the Haitian people. We had Katie, but she's stateside now. Um, you know, Katie. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, yeah but it's just it's just weird the things people find to complain about it's like yeah how dare you go over there and help because you're white and it's just in those turbulent times i'm like going i'm sorry man it's not because i'm white i'm going it's because i'm catholic yeah it's because christ loved me first therefore i love you and if that's where i'm called that's where i'm called and i'm no savior but i'd love for you to encounter the savior jesus christ mm. um so response. i don't know i don't know people there's there's I, sorry, I'm getting off topic. I just, I, I, I just think people have given up religion for causes, and that's a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. then your cause becomes your religion, and you worship that instead of God. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Yeah, interesting. Um, making about you, and then you get this kind of God. You think you're God, and it's about you. Mm -hmm. it's, relax you're not yes. that important no um, it's it's fall in love with god then you'll know where to go and where to be and then yeah then then you become transparent and people see god through you instead of you and then that stops the whole ego and mm -hmm. you know it's funny sometimes i'm in haiti and i remember we brought a group to the beach once and they're all talking and i saw this one girl say to another girl going well i'm a full-time missionary so you're only here for like a week or so. And I just laugh and I'm like, we're all full-time missionaries. Just yeah. Where you're going to be, you know, it's like you're supposed to be a full-time missionary here, but pride goeth before the fall. But mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're all full-time somewhere. It just might right? not be here. Yeah. 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 And, and here's a tough place to be a missionary in America. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. easier to go to Haiti and feed somebody who hasn't eaten in two days and tell them about Jesus than go to somebody in a mansion and say, Hey, you haven't seen you in church for a while. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. No. Jehovah's Witnesses do, Mormons do, and they don't have the fullness of the faith, but at least they're courageous enough to be convicted to go and do those things. Yeah. We don't want, we don't want to offend anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to yeah. offend you about telling you about Jesus and that I'd love for you to go to church. And I'm sorry if that's offensive. 
Yeah. How do you change the world with that attitude? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Am, I, am, I, am I going off the rails here? Just tell me. No, you're, you're so good. This is good. Um, I did want to ask you, though, about how, continuing with the story of Haiti 180, how is everyone there coping with COVID? Well, out by us, great. There isn't any. Um, so I know it's in Port-au-Prince, but it's, it just hasn't caught on there like it has here. It's there, but it, I don't know if it's the extra heat or what's going on or just the fortitude. Like the Haitian people have had so many illnesses, you know, because they don't yeah. have vaccines as much as we do here. I don't know why or just God's providence, but it's it's not what, you know, we're, we're fearful. I mean, I bought a ton of food and we bought a ton of food and to put in the containers out in Haiti because sometimes black marketeers during things like this or earthquakes or hurricanes they'll buy the food and then sell it at ridiculous mm -hmm. rates so we went ahead to get it so we could take care of the villages out there and um because we thought there'd be famine but, the, but there isn't and so you mm -hmm. know we ended up just giving it out to all the people anyhow um, yeah. they were just so thankful and they're like hey you know this is good oh now we have three days food so this is great instead of just you know day-to-day -day feeding but um, so praise God so far so good but who knows what this thing will do you know yeah true true and you guys are sending down a container soon right with other yeah. supplies yeah that'll go down I believe the 19th we close it of October and send it down and uh, it's been amazing the uh, outpouring they have this the Lopez family down in Miami they're amazing they're collecting all this stuff and they're like, sure, we'll collect some boxes. 40 boxes showed up like the next day. <laughs> so I love that. Just God bless them. They're so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Every day they show up, there's like just boxes. Like we're sending down wheelchairs. Um, yeah. We're really excited. We had a, a donor, um, woman Susan, donate a powered wheelchair for Aunt Carly, one of our, our children yeah. down there. So she can move herself around and, you know, not so depend awesome. on the kids to push her. So she yeah. lets. I mean, how does a powered wheelchair end up in the mountains of Duvarger? You know, it's like Haiti, you know, it's like only by yeah. God's grace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So logistically, how is the container getting there? Uh, by boat. We're okay. pulling the port there and then we hire a truck that picks it up and we bring it out. And it's a, we've got a lot of crazy things out there. You know, our buildings, like our school and yeah. Um, the medical clinic, you know, the stone and everything. Somehow we get it out there, but uh, the Haitian ingenuity and their drive and it's just it's a powerful force. Yeah, yeah. Actually, okay, I have a question that I've wanted to ask for so long yeah. that I, I wish I wrote. <laughs> okay, so there was one night at Adoration in Hingham that Father Sinisha just makes me do the oddest jobs all the time. And Deacon Kevin Wynn, you know him, right? Oh, yeah, he's the yes. best. Great. Um, he used to be my spiritual director, so my family is close Oh, to no way, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love yeah. that guy. He's amazing. Yeah. So he came to visit Adoration, and he started telling Father Sinisha a story. And he was like, oh, you should hear the story of how we got the relic for the altar out to the chapel at Kai Marie. And then Father Sinisha was like, okay, Olivia, you take my vestments and go put them in the sacristy. I want to hear this. And I'm like, I want to hear the story too. <laughs> so I never got to hear the story. Is that a good story? I honestly don't know it. Okay. So like, maybe I, I need to call up Deacon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they got the, I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know why it would be a super incredible story because it's not a huge thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. Sorry, okay. I just totally let you down on that. Yeah, I don't, it's so funny. Either that or everybody's trying to hide it from me because it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tell John. Yeah. You can't know. know about this. All right, uh, I, I will find out. I don't know, man. Who knows what yeah. you did. But. I'll let you know if it's a good story. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, all right, do you want some of the other juicy questions? And they're not that juicy, but from the people at Resurrection? Sure. Um, all right, the first one that I, I thought I, was... I reserve the right to say pass. Okay, all right, that, that's fair. I, I actually have I would... filtered out some of the ones that I thought... There was a I'm wide afraid, variety. I'm afraid of no question. <laughs> um, all right. Why are the girls not allowed to date in Haiti in the orphanage? We're forcing them to be nuns. It's called compelled nunnage. <laughs> Why are the girls not allowed to date? The same reason my daughters aren't allowed to date. Because dating is a recent invention uh, that came about with the creation of the automobile. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, if you want me to go into it, I will. But before that, people would court. It wasn't about like dating and playing around and finding people and hooking up. It was, uh, I'm going to find who's the person I want to fall in love with and marry. So a guy would come in court, get to know the family and the father was involved. And um, I'm not saying my kids can't go on, you know, they go out with their friends. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's people think, uh, people have these images of like, my kids sitting there in black robes just like yes father it's like no yes. they have a blast they go out but i forget who one of the catholic speakers said this best said for girls that high school isn't about finding your husband it's about finding your bridesmaids mm -hmm. um yeah. you know and it's like i look back at my life and and you, when i talk to most girls who grew up with me so many broken hearts yes. woundedness you know, and it's like, you know, they're intimate with guys when they're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And it leads, it leads to nothing but heartache because at 15, your heart's ready, you fall in love and your heart break. And people are like, well, that's part of the life experience. I'm like, well, it doesn't think it's healthy because it leads you into another relationship wounded and broken, you know, maybe not trusting so much. And it's like, is that fair to your future spouse who's out there? And so like, why are you falling in love at 14, 15, 16 years old when, you know, usually that doesn't work out. I mean, I mean, it can, I'm sure there's somebody out there going to go, it did for me. Well, congratulations. That's great. But I don't want to risk that. And my job as a father is to lead my kids closer to God and not to open the playing field for guys, but to narrow the playing field. Um, you know, my girls, they're strong, they're smart, um, they're intellectual and they're secure so like they're at this point now where they're not they don't even want to date they're like i'm having fun right now just hanging yeah. with my friends i don't need a guy right now and that's healthy mm -hmm. and that's that's how i want it to be for the girls out there too um it's it's uh they've worked hard with their school their education often sometimes the girls will be like wooed by a guy and then leave their education and everything and go, oh, yeah. you know, it's, I'm supposed to marry this guy. And it's like, hang on. We, we don't have the chance as often as to keep. I don't live down there. I go down before COVID every other month and in the summer. So it's, it's harder to evangelize the people of Haiti for me than it is here with my own family. Cause that's my yeah. first ministry. But 
the girls are starting to understand and the, actually most of them really do understand saying you're right i why would i at 14 15 because all that's going to lead to is me possibly getting pregnant and then living in poverty up in the hills yeah where this was created to create future leaders of faith mm -hmm. uh, so honestly i think any parent is not to let their kid you know every day be dating and seeing that kid then be on their cell phones late mm -hmm. at night and like and then treating them like they're married and sending them off to florida together i'm like you're just setting your daughter up for a broken heart you're setting your yeah. son up for a broken heart um protect your kids you know not helicopter but do your job um Wow, but I, I could go, I, I actually do an hour talk on this at, at family conferences, but mm -hmm. remember, dating came about, the automobile came, and now instead of the guy saying, hey, I want to meet your father, it says this, how can I get you away from your father? Mm. So they'd go in the car and take the, the father, take the daughter away from mom and dad and bring yeah. them out. Before that, nobody did that. It was mm -hmm. about like, yeah, hey, I'm going to come hang out with your family. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I like that. so I mean, uh, somebody's because this isn't the topic. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough time to go into everything to be able to yeah. like, you know, I, I I need an hour talk to go through. Well, what is dating? What is love? What is relationship? What is marriage? Yeah. What do the stats say about girls who dated before college versus after college? And it's just mm -hmm. if you can wait till college, it's a much healthier thing emotionally, physically, yeah. and spiritually for a man and a woman to do mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so ladies out there high school it's not about finding your spouse it's about finding your bridesmaids um i i, I don't know if that's jacqueline who said that or leah darrow one of them but but yeah. it's worth i think it might have been leah i think but yeah. not entirely sure yeah. Yeah. yeah i like that and i don't know i like acknowledging that it's a very countercultural thing to not want to date um earlier on like i don't know like being content with yourself and being content finding your bridesmaids is a countercultural thing but our faith is countercultural um and it's hard but, but you'll you'll see it in those girls who live that way there's more of a mm -hmm. joy there's not yes. the stress of how do i look my boyfriend i've got to worry about being on it's like i just want to hang with my friends yeah and have a just blast be me right now. i don't yeah. want the drama like my girls see going i do not want that drama like, mm -hmm. you know like my daughter she's like 14 she's like no thanks yeah i'm having such yeah. a great time right now just being 14 i'm like it's it's such a it's such a theft of the innocence and the joy of just being a teenager of like now you got to worry about this like when mm -hmm. i meet girls who go to all girls school i'm like do you hate it most of them like i love it we can dress yeah. however we want I mean, I mean, we wear our outfit, wear our hair. We don't have to put on makeup. The, the stress of having to look great for boys, like, it's amazing how much they love it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, sometimes you miss the guys, but we have them afterwards. But as far as there's not the cattiness, the fighting that goes on, you know, and just, and, and for guys, the boy, they're not, you know, boys schools, they're not all macho out trying to win the girl over. It's a, uh, mm -hmm. so anyhow, long, long answer. <laughs> But good answer. Very good answer. Yeah. Courtship. Courtship. Learn about courtship. It's good. It's healthy. It's noble. Yes, indeed. Um, got to get you, but anybody listening out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question from Resurrection, um, which I think I know the answer to this, but how much does the school cost 
and what happens if a family cannot afford an education. So the school is about $5,000 a month. If they can't afford it, they just can't attend. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no. So it ends up being about, I don't know, a dollar a year to go to school. Um, so, and if they can't go to school, they, if they can't afford that, so it, none of our projects make us money. Um, it's really cheap. So it all comes from the donations and the concerts and things we do because they are so poor in our area, like medical care. You, you can't charge 20 bucks for somebody to go up there. They just don't have it. They're that poor. Um, so if they don't have the money, they can help by cooking. They can help by cleaning and send their kids to school that way. Um, so, and also just FYI, we're starting uh, adult education now. The adults want to start nice. learning. So that's going to start happening night school for the adults there. It's really beautiful. They're like, I want to learn to read. I want to be able to sign my name. It's, it's beautiful. That is so awesome. And makes me want to come and use my education degree. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. All right. I'm looking, I'm sifting through the, there's, I don't know, the, there's some weird, weird questions. We'll go back to my questions. Um, I wanted to talk to you. This is partially a question. That's so funny. Yeah. Like, what's a I, weird question? this the grammar are are you just as inspired of how much faith these young kids have as the missionaries are <laughs> yes yes i am <laughs> like the missionaries come and they're blown away i'm still uh, they're just like teens everywhere else they have their yeah. hang-ups and stuff and mess ups and stuff but they do they don't doubt god yeah, yeah. but my main thing is getting them to just not just know about God, but then implement that into telling others about him, evangelizing up in the mountains. And that's, that's, a, that's a hurdle everywhere yeah. in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, next question, which is combination of resurrection and combination of me. I really wanted to talk to you about how you balance it all and how we talked about wearing many hats and having a lot of diverse jobs and roles and interests and passions how do you stay rooted in the middle of very diverse things um how do you prioritize family versus family in haiti um things like that it's so i don't do it well um the reason i said i have to be off this by 10 55 is because i'm going to confession mm -hmm. <laughs> so and then i've got a meeting afterwards but yeah. so i I go like this, you know, it's like, I'm not Mother Teresa in any way, shape or form. It's like, I, I, I struggle with it all. It's like the stress of it can lead me to be sinful and gluttonous or sometimes just cut off from things. There's, there's a price to pay by doing something like this for sure. Um, but God has given me this great love in my heart for my family. It's just mm -hmm. supernatural. I don't do it perfectly, but I, um, I just want to be with them. And I just know, I just, for me, just always knew that that's the primary mission. As long as that stays intact, then everything else will flow naturally. Um, so it's never been difficult for me to make a decision saying, okay, um, I've got an opportunity to do a concert here when my daughter's getting confirmed. Of course, I'm going to a confirmation. I'm blowing off the concert. You know, it's just, in the end, the, re the world will forget me, but 
quickly, but the legacy of my children will last forever. And that's where I mm -hmm. want to stake my roots. That's where, I, that's where I'll make the most effect in the world. Um, and just, if I minister to the world, but my kids don't know the love of God, then I've failed. And, and the, where they get the reality of God's love the most is not just to me teaching them, but spending time with them. I, I tell fathers this when I run men's conferences, you have to spend enormous amounts of time with your kids today because the world has got them captivated. And if you're not present, if you're not there, your voice becomes really a whisper in their mm -hmm. world. You become a garden hose against a, a, a tidal wave. Um, so that's why my daughters aren't freaked out about like, no, we don't date in high school. We know this because they grew up with that. They grew up talking with me and, 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 you know, we'd watch movies that showed the dignity of people and the power of the Holy Spirit through a woman is one of the most captivating, incredible things. Um, so I also have just the most courageous saintly woman that a husband ever could have married. Julie's just a force of, you know, helping you know she's a physical therapist but she too like all right i'm just gonna work part-time because i want to be there and make sure i want to drive the kids back and forth we we and i would say this year we finally bought our big uh, adult house we've always had like small little houses um cheaper houses we live out in the sticks in the woods somewhere so um it, so we we had time we weren't so busy that we had to pay for a giant house so that I wasn't home. We chose to live more simply so that we had more time to do ministry and be with family. Cause I always tell people, if you can't be with your family, cause you're paying for your million dollar house, when you die, your house will just about pay for their therapy, your kid's therapy. Cause they want to be with you. It's about family and it goes by so darn quick. I guess, I guess I have a great awareness that I'm going to die yeah. and it's coming quickly. Like, I can't believe uh, January, I'll be 54. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I still think I'm 25 and I look in the mirror and I'm like, no, man, you're, oof, look like you're 64. Um, so that, that, that knowledge has helped me, you know, keep it all together. And it's like, man, would I love to be over Haiti full time? Yes, but um, I can't be because then I can't fundraise over there. Um, but, but I go over there, come back, you know, it's, um, the balance is difficult. It's yeah. difficult. And if, and if I'm not praying, constantly praying, I fall into sin and I mess up. And it's just, it's, uh, and it's easy to get busy working for God and forgetting about God at the same time. That's yes. dangerous. Yeah, that, that is really hard. And yeah. I don't know, I definitely struggle with that involved in so many different ministries that you just like, I don't know, are drained out by them and like want to go to bed and night prayer just doesn't happen. Yeah. God forgive me. There was a time where I was like, I just run like a seven day retreat, then went to Haiti running a retreat for the people who came to Haiti and came home. And I went to bed like around four o'clock and I had to get up for eight o'clock mass. And I was like, I don't want to go to church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Think about that. I don't want to go to like, yeah. I'm a Catholic saying, I don't want to go. I'm going to go. This is an act of the will. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, hey, hey, because I love to sleep in. I was like, oh, Lord, I love you, but uh, can I love you tomorrow instead? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm not a saint. I think that's one of the funniest things that I love is when people come to Haiti, you know, and they meet me and I'm on the roof, maybe having a, you know, a 
a beer and a cigar and they're like you're not like mother Teresa." and i'm like you think <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like there's a lot less pressure in that too like i don't know like you just are who you are and you're just serving the lord and like he's gonna the sainthood thing or not like being like mother Teresa, like that that's his his deal like yeah i've learned a long time ago the the world loves to put people on pedestals because it's really entertaining to watch them fall off Mm. yeah that's so true remember they all said hosanna and then they crucified him right after Mm. hosanna hosanna crucify him crucify him it's like so i i people you must feel like so amazing like i don't anything good that's ever happened through me is all by God. If you want to know who I am, look at my sins and my failures and my evil deeds. That, that's every, not that I'm summed up by my evil deeds, but what I'm saying is, yeah, as scripture says, even our greatest accomplishments are but filthy rags before the Lord, you know, it's all his. Mm-hmm. You know, if left to myself, I know exactly the evil that I would bring into it's, Thank God for God. It's all him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I don't ever compliment. I'm like, that's nice. That's nice and that's good and I appreciate it. But I'm also not one of those people like, praise God. I'm like, I say thank you. Man, thanks, man. But I also know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, yeah. no, uh, there's no chance in my head of starting to think I'm a saint and God is so lucky to have me because I know what I've done, what I'm capable of doing. Not, nothing horrible. Don't freak out when I'm just saying, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. but by the grace of God, there go I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I answer so your question? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, it was so good. I'm yeah. I was just thinking about um what you said about like the like thanks man versus like praise God. Like I, I don't know. I've been thinking recently about I have some people in my life who are like uber super Catholic. You know what I mean? And like you could be talking about like a TV G. show G. that Catholics. you like. Shiite Catholics is uh what the comedian would say, uh, Jim Gaffigan. They're like Shiite Catholics, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Exactly. And like at everything, they're like, praise God, praise God. And I'm like, yes, I agree. <laughs> but <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> These carrots are good, so good. Praise God. I, yeah, always, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I got it. Like he, he is part of my like every movement and I don't need to like point it out by name every 30 seconds. Like if well, he is so integrated. In the Bible. yeah yeah i don't know we're gonna turn so many people off now we're like i thought you guys were holy we just told you we're not but but, uh, yeah yeah well well you know it's like praise god but then you know you speak ill about another human being yeah like 30 seconds later dwells in so it's like come on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i don't know nobody listen to me i don't know what i'm talking about i don't know (laughs) I don't know. Um, for those of you God. who say praise God all the time, praise God for you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. Yes, keep doing it. Say it after every sentence and my house doesn't look like a Catholic bookstore. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I As I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in my bare Catholic TV office. There's nothing hung up yet. And I feel it's like, wow, man. Yeah, we got to get you a picture or something. Yeah, there's literally nothing. I like just moved into the office on, I don't know, last Monday. Right. So, yeah. Um, Cloistered situation there, but I know. Yeah, I got one window. That's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, um, all right, so we'll wrap up in a second, but I have two final questions. Well, two sections of questions. So we haven't done this a little bit in a little bit on the podcast, but last season and the season before, we were doing Catholic quick questions at the end to get to know the guests. Um, and I think it would be fun. Would you like to do my Catholic quick questions? Sure. I'm sitting up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite book of the Bible? That's really tricky. Um, I, I'll just say Luke. Okay, solid. Because I, like I, I like that intro for me. Oh, sorry, these are quick questions. Go ahead. Yep, Luke, go well, ahead. I mean, I kind of want to hear the explanation now. <laughs> because I, when, I, when I was getting into Catholic apologetics, it was all about eyewitness accounts and, and historical. And Luke is so wonderful because he's such a, you know, I was like, wow, he's a historian. So it helped me to realize that, all right, wow, these are really respectable, legit authors of these scriptures. So when I was getting into, because, you know, I wasn't, I've been everything and, you know, agnostic at times. So I'm a convert to the Catholic Church. So information and knowledge was important to me because I just don't believe blindly. And I was like, wow, okay, Luke is a physician, but he's a first-rate um, historian. So that, that mm -hmm. meant a lot to me reading his scriptures because he goes, I'm going to give a detailed account of these things. It's like, so, so that impressed me. Yeah, I like that. So that's always Solid answer. Right. Yeah. All right, next question. What is your favorite book in general, not in the Bible? Um, okay, I would say I'm gonna, I'm gonna nerd out. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna nerd out. That's not nerd <laughs> but all right, it's right here. Favorite book or most influential? Either, both. This book right here. Ah, N.T. Wright. The Resurrection of the Son of God, because on my search, I had to know that Jesus really rose from the dead, and this book is just phenomenal. It's 800 pages, so it's a heck of a read, but I've been through it about three or four times. It's all highlighted, and then I just keep going back to it, because it's been such a blessing to me to help me to, to when I'm talking with people. I, I, did, I did a whole thing on my Facebook on how do you know Jesus rose from the dead, right? Because mm -hmm. everything rises or sets as a Christian on did he really rise from the dead? So I'd say that book, and The Case for Jesus by Brant Petrie, every Catholic, every Christian needs to read. It's it's fantastic. And as far as nerding out, I love still to this day Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness. Okay. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. Take two days. That's all it'll take. Okay. It's 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 like uh, it's scary, but okay. it's great. It talks about spiritual warfare, and it's brilliantly written. Um, it's, it's so good. This present darkness yeah. by Frank Pratty, like everybody I give it to, they're like, dude, I was so creeped out. I couldn't put it mm -hmm. down, but, I'm like, but creeped out in a good way. Like, going, yeah, this is what it's like. It's, are, mm -hmm. is, are people praying for me in forces of good and evil? It's, it's so good. Okay. That, that does sound really good. I, I need to read more college life. Doesn't though. I'm reading so much NT right right now. I'm taking a class on evil and deliverance and so much NT, right? NT is great. He's brilliant. Yeah. Of course, mm -hmm. we, have to, we have to hold him to the catechism, you know, because he's high Anglican, so he can be off on something. So, because yes. he's not magisterium. But as far as the resurrection and stuff like that, for me, whew, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love right, that you know who he is. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Theology major. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Um, all right. This next question might be a little hard, but what is your favorite musician or band? It is really difficult. I, I would never say I have a favorite. Uh, my favorite musician would be Vince Gill. I just think okay. he's phenomenal on the guitar and just his singing and his performance and his stage presence is fantastic. My favorite band, all-time band, uh, two. Obviously the Beatles, because John Lennon and Paul McCartney are the greatest songwriting duo ever in the history. Mm -hmm. I mean, unbelievable. But if, it, but if I had a chance to go see a band I never got to see, it'd be the Eagles. Okay. I would say they're one of the greatest bands here is why. Uh, don't get me started. All right, next question. The Eagles, the Eagles. They're great. They're just phenomenal. All right. They're still selling out, the, they're still selling out arenas today because their music's so good. That's pretty sad. And they had the highest selling album of the 20th century over Michael Jackson and everybody. Eagles' huh. greatest hits. Next, this is fun. You got more? Yeah. Um, what <laughs> is your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Favorite place I've ever traveled? Well, obviously Haiti. Because yeah. the faith up in those mountains, I don't think anything will beat listening to the Haitian people worship. Mm -hmm. the presence of that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite form of prayer or way to pray? Prayer is difficult for me. I'm, I don't know if I'm ADD, but I think I am sometimes. It's very difficult for me. Um, so if I can listen to Gregorian chant or polyphony music, that helps me tremendously. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I'll pray a rosary. This sounds horrible. And I'll get to the end and go, I think I said three real Hail Marys because I was thinking of fishing while I was praying one. Um, so I would say the mass is the best way to get me because that's our best prayer right there, right? The mm -hmm. mass is the best way that can contain my mind. That's always like, I'll, I'll be in Hail Mary full of grace. You know what? I bet I could get a Creole rosary. You know, my brain's always going in creative mode. So it's difficult mm -hmm. to keep it all. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So the mass helps me to really focus. So that's definitely the best prayer that I've got. Um, or at night with my family. Um, when I'm listening to them pray, so that helps. Mm -hmm. But I struggle. I, I struggle to keep my brain. So I'm I'm more like short little chip shots. And then once in a while, I've got to sit. I'll come right here. I'll put a picture of Jesus on and play my polyphony music, and just be in the presence of God, mm -hmm. <clears throat> not try to force a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and I like that you're honest about it. I feel like so many Catholic leaders are like, "You got to have a prayer life. Got to have a prayer life," and then. Uh, like brag about their own and not acknowledge how hard it is, especially for those of us who are creative and brains go everywhere. Yeah. And I'm not trying to brag about how difficult prayer is for me, like trying to be cool about it. It's like, I hate that. Yeah, so me too. I, I want to be able to sit and just be in the presence of the Lord. And I'm just like so easily pulled out because I'm like I'm in the presence of the Lord and man, you know, I could do this, I could do that, or I could do that, or it, it's, yeah, no. I'm in no way or shape a model for anything for anybody <laughs> in, in most aspects of life. It's like really that. fun. You know that saying, who is it? One of the Stubel guys said it, uh, actually somebody beforehand, like, if the Lord can't find a colt, he'll use an ass, right? So it's like, hey, here I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I like that. There's yeah. so much less pressure in that um, rather than like, I don't know, being the perfect holy, like trying oh. to make everyone think that your prayer life is perfect all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, I just don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm anything to be followed or follow Jesus. And then if you want to come on this ride with me, great. Just pray for me. Pray I don't go to hell. Mm. Yeah. Yes, All right, you ready for next question? Yeah. <laughs> um, two other quick questions. If no, you could ahead. meet any pope, who would it be? Oh, uh, this is interesting. Two, two of them. Um, Peter, mm. our first pope, without a doubt. Um, and then Pope John Paul II. I just said to my wife last night, I go, I miss that guy. Mm. I mean, no, no knock against our pope today. It was just, he's, when I first became Catholic, he was there and just that love just was just amazing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, man, his charisma. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so I'm, I, yeah, I miss, I miss him. Yeah. Just the smile, you know, and just the way he was with the teens and, you know, put up his fists. Mm -hmm. and it just yeah. his heroic suffering was just incredible to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last quick question. If you could be best friends with any one saint, who would it be? I think oh, that's such a great question. Oh man, it's brutal. <laughs> um, see, I want to be best friends with St. Michael because he's my namesake, my um, my um, confirmation name. Mm -hmm. I just, but I think it would be really healthy for me to be friends with the little flower. Mm, yeah. Just her thoughts. I think she'd laugh at me a lot <laughs> in a good way. Like, oh, you're so, don't be silly. Of course, God loves you. The, mm -hmm. the, that would be huge for me to hear. Yeah. Um, and um, sorry, just one. Um, Mother Teresa, just for the sake, the sake of what she would teach me and trying to do yeah thing uh oh my goodness there's so many uh, all right sorry i'll go off that's a big question but uh yeah yeah that's a pretty good friends with saint michael the archangel mm. yeah yeah that's all very good all right um i'll let you go in a second one last thing is there any advice that you would like to give to the listeners knowing that it's a lot of college students and young adult catholics Yes, donate to Haiti Winnie. <laughs> um, advice, yes. advice to college students? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, it's this. Let your, let your life be guided by the Holy Spirit so your life becomes an adventure. Mm -hmm. Adventure doesn't mean you're going to go to Haiti, but it means you're going to be open to where God puts you, and that's exciting. And that will yeah. make your marriages exciting. And that'll let your children see the excitement of life. Because if you're bored, um, you're not doing it right. Um, I would so rather get B pluses and become a missionary, either at nursing homes and spending your time helping and loving the world than get A pluses. And then all of a sudden be 30 and go, all right, I'm ready to engage. I'm ready. I've got my theology degree. Now I'm ready to help the poor. It's like, dude, you fool. Your life could have been taken from you that night of graduation. Mm -hmm. uh, study for the final test before God and his angels and the saints um, live for that and I'm not 
I'm not saying don't work hard in school, but what I'm saying is if you're so busy working that you don't have time to do any kind of service, because here's the deal. I, I believe most people are bored in the church because, and they think the mass is boring or they don't get anything out of the mass. For the, This is one of the most major reasons because they're not thirsty for it. Yeah. Um, we become gluttons. We fill up on well, music and books and blah, 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 but we're not doing the actual works. We're hearers of the words and not doers of the word. But when you go out and you're trying to tell people about God and they spit on you, if, if you're trying to help the poor and you get sick because of it, or you fear for your life a couple times and um, you get drained, you'll be like, oh my God, I need you. And you'll go mm -hmm. to the mass because you'll be so thirsty for it because you poured your body out like Jesus did, right? Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He's asking you to die. Literally, God is saying, come die with me. Um, and then that's when mass, that's when faith becomes exciting. It's like, a, just quickly, I had this lady come to her. She goes, this is, I think, the third or fourth time we've heard you speak this year. And I was like, wow. She goes, yeah, if I don't keep bringing him to these things, he loses his faith. And I said, don't bring him to another event. Bring him on a mission trip. Let him put into place all these things he's heard all these speakers talking about. Let him put into action all these things. So yeah. don't be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And then balance mm -hmm. it out. Don't just be heart people. You're dangerous. Don't just be head people. You're dangerous. Fides at ratio. Faith and reason together. Put your heart and your head together. Um, then let your intellect and your heart be joined together. And then what an awesome, fearful warrior of love you'll be for the kingdom of God. And invite somebody to go to church with you. Mm -hmm. Randomly ask the Holy Spirit to light somebody up for you and say, hey, this is going to sound weird. Do you want to go to Mass? I dare you to do that then you'll be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Remember, last thing, people will say, I never feel God comforting me. And I always say, well, you're never uncomfortable. Mm. First get uncomfortable yes. if you want to feel the comfort of God. And if we can't invite somebody to go to church with us, if we can't walk up to a homeless person and say, how you doing, man? Can I chat with you? Let's mm -hmm. get a burger. How should, what's going on spiritually with you? Then what's it about? Again, don't be a yeah. glutton with all this stuff. Keep receiving and receiving because the church has so much to give. Lay your life down. Yeah. Then your life becomes an adventure. Buckle up. Thank you so much, Sean, for being on this episode of the podcast. And thank you all for listening to it. We're back on our Monday morning schedule, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to listen in next Monday. As always, you can find this podcast and all the other Grexley podcasts on grexley.com, as well as our merch and Patreon, if you feel called to support this media endeavor. However, if you are going to choose to support something, I highly, highly recommend, I beg, I implore you to become a Team 180 member and support Haiti 180. To be a Team 180 member, it's $15 a month, $180 a year, and you get some materials, pictures of the kids, recorded songs by the amazing girls choir in Haiti, um, Sean's book and all sorts of fun things. Um, you can find all of that at Haiti180.com and you can click join Team 180. This is how their organization runs. $15 a month is just like sacrificing three Starbucks drinks. If you are able to become a Team 180 member, you might have noticed that the To the Heights logo, we changed it recently and I have so many, like a ridiculous number of old logo stickers left over from SLS this year. So if you become a Team 180 member, send us an email or a DM with a screenshot of proof that you have joined Team 180 
um, and also send us your address and I will send you a couple of stickers from us. I feel like there are very few nonprofit organizations and just organizations in general that I can say I fully believe in every single thing that they do, but Haiti 180 is absolutely that. Also, random, being the liturgy nerd that I am, I am working on finding the answer to that relic altar chimery chapel question. I really want to get to the bottom of that, um, and I will post on social media or follow up in next week's episode if the answer is something interesting. Um, so follow us on social media at to the Heights CTV if you're interested in hearing the answer to that, because I definitely am. Okay, editing Olivia is popping in to say that in the few brief moments since I recorded this outro, I have an update already on this, um, or a half update. There's still more information forthcoming. But at the very least, um, buried beneath the altar, there is a cross memorializing a Kingston, Massachusetts family whose father and son both tragically passed weeks apart just before the father was supposed to go on one of the early trips to Haiti 180. Um, so Deacon Kevin Wynn buried a cross beneath the altar in, during the dedication of the chapel. So, and he is trying to gather some information on if there is a relic, um, where and who it is. So more details coming on that. <laughs> If you have a guest recommendation, send it our way at grixley.com slash to the heights in the contact form or email us directly at to the heights podcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you have any questions for me about social justice, anything we've talked about this season, or just life, send it in for our next Ask Olivia episode, also using to the heights podcast at gmail.com. I hope you're all well during this crazy time. I will talk to you next week, and until then, keep on reaching to the heights. Mm-hmm.